Thanks for joining us this week for the Church at Starkey Hills podcast. Be sure to visit our website at starkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Preached a, a couple weeks ago when I was up here. I said that um, you might say like, well, there's lots of need right here. What about the need here? And we want to address need here. We want to address um, the need for the gospel overseas where many people don't have it. But we also want to give opportunities for you to get, get involved here, not only at the church, but also with organizations that we partner with that are Christ-centered, that are doing um, amazing work in the community. So I have uh, four ladies behind me, and they're going to share a little bit about their organizations and what they do this morning. Before we get started with that, I just want to remind you guys that this Saturday is our family serve day, October the 22nd. It's, it'll go about 8.30 to noon or 1, and um, I'm told there's a lot of yard work that needs done at the place that we're going to. So sign up for that in the Connection Center or on the app, and you will get a text message or email this week that gives you the address of where you need to be on Saturday. And then this coming Sunday, um, next Sunday, the 23rd, is our big international missions panel discussion night. There will be dinner here provided. There will be um, worship time. It's going to be a, an amazing night. So please go sign up for that and um, be here next Sunday. Now I want to give these ladies the floor and just let them share a little bit about who they are and what they do. Good morning. My name is Sarah Fern. I'm the executive director at Choices Resource Center. We are a life-affirming pregnancy center in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and we serve uh, Oak Ridge, Anderson County, parts of Knox County, and the rest of the surrounding counties um, around us. And what we do is we, um, we meet women where they are when they're experiencing an unexpected pregnancy. And um, we meet them in their crisis in that time that they need it. But then we also, and we always have, um, also if they choose life for it for their little one, we are um, we are there to help them with material needs uh, through their toddler years and even into um, some older ages, um, just in practical ways that we're doing that, all with the gospel threaded through everything that we do. Hi, um, my name is Devin Payne, and I'm the executive director of Street Hope Tennessee, and we are a Christ-centered counter-sex trafficking organization for children here in Knoxville and throughout East Tennessee. And um, if you're sitting here going, wait, what? That's here? Um, hold, please. I'll answer that question in a minute. Um, but yes, it does. And so we focus on the commercial sexual exploitation of children. Um, and we focus on bringing safe environments to foster healing and hope through Christ. Um, a lot of people care about trafficking. It doesn't matter if you know the Lord or not. Most, most people think that's wrong, right? The darkest of dark. But the difference is um, it is dark because it involves the heart. There's someone, there are people that are wanting to buy sex um, from people and from children and the only solution to that is Christ. He says that he changes hearts of kings like channels of water and that's why we exist and so we work um, with the county and the communities to educate people on how to identify and report trafficking. We work with the school systems to educate kids, maybe even your kids, depending on where they go to school, um, and teach them about, about online sexual exploitation and internet safety and how to be safe. And then lastly, um, we just opened the first safe home in the state for children that are survivors of trafficking. 
I'm Cindy Bradley. I'm with Sacred Ground Hospice House, which is just around the curve here, a couple of blocks. Um, we are an end-of-life comfort care in a Christian environment. So we are non-medical. Uh, there's nothing there that smells medical, looks medical, feels medical. If you take five minutes to stop by and just drop in and see it is an amazing place. And we just love people and love on their families. Uh, we tell people we can't change the dying, but we absolutely change the journey. My name is Sarah Keel, and I'm the executive director of Renew Clinic, and we are a Christ-centered addiction treatment here in Knoxville, and we've been open about a year and a half, so we're, we're really new, and our mission is to glorify God, first and foremost, uh, by supporting the holistic restoration of individuals affected by substance abuse. And so you'll notice it's individuals affected, so we offer treatment, Christ-centered treatment for people who are struggling, but we also work with the families. Uh, we have coaching, um, so it's just, it's a wraparound service. Um, I worked in the, I guess, secular world for a very long time with addiction treatment. And um, myself, having been truly delivered by Christ uh, from, using heroin by the time I was 18 years old, um, I always knew working in the secular industry that Christ is the answer. Like, I could not unknow what I knew when the Lord appeared to me and made himself known to me. Um, and, and it was hard to be quiet about it. It was really hard to be quiet about it. I got my hand slapped a few times um, because it's just, it is what it is. It's the truth. Jesus is the solution. Um, so now I work at a place uh, where I can freely express Christ, and it's, it's a blessing for me as well. Um, but yeah, that's a little bit about us. All right, so we'll keep the mic down here, oh. and we've got a few questions uh, okay. for these ladies. So the first one is, in working with vulnerable communities or individuals, what is something that has been helpful and something that you see as harmful to the ministry? Okay, so um, I will say working with vulnerable populations, um, one thing, I will start with what is harmful. Um, so there is a difference between actually helping someone and enabling someone. And the population that we work with, um, they have learned to survive uh, doing certain things, lying, stealing, doing what they got to do to get what they need to get. Um, and so a lot of times family members will say, well, you know, so-and-so needed money for this and for that, uh, even the church. Um, and so we teach that that is actually you know, harming them to continue to help them be comfortable in their addiction. Um, so helping is actually uh, keeping in mind that these people, knowing, I don't say these people, th that's me, but the people that we serve, um, there is no case that is too far gone. Like when, when somebody walks through the door, um, we always keep in mind that these are image bearers of God that God has brought to us. And I don't care how far gone the situation seems, nothing is impossible with God. Um, so it's harmful, I would say, to pity a person walking through the door. Um, there's a difference between um, having pity and compassion. So I would say pity is, um, is harmful. Um, pity means I'm agreeing with how you feel about yourself. I'm agreeing with you with how you feel about yourself. No, I see an image bearer of God, and I know, I know what God can do in your life. 
Um, and so it's, it's being that stand for that person um, in the moment. So that can also turn into an enabling situation if we're pitying people. Um, but something that is helpful is, um, you know, Christ calls us to live honestly with one another. And, um, and so I would say one of the most helpful things in working with a vulnerable population is, um, first and foremost, that, that my staff live honestly with one another um, and that we are practicing Christ's commands in our relationships so that it bleeds into how we interact with our people. Um, if, if we're not dealing with our own stuff, they are going to sniff it out really quick. Um, so what's helpful is that we are constantly going to the Lord and honestly keeping in mind that I am not up here and they're down here. Um, we are people and I'm here to serve you. Um, so the helpful part is to constantly living a life of repentance, working with this population is living a life of repentance and keeping in mind that we're all on a journey dealing with something. Um, if the Lord's not teaching me this right now, he's teaching me this, it, uh, we've never arrived to anything. Um, so to live honestly and, and to be vulnerable, you know, to live transparent, vulnerable lives with our people, not we're up here, you're down here, and we're going to teach you how to get up here. You know, that, that's not helpful. So um, that would be my answer. We serve everybody in this end of the state. We're the only hospice house. We recently had a gentleman come to us through UT Hospital um, that was the victim of elder abuse and neglect. And the first couple of days he was with us, um, when we would go, we always touch our patients when we go in to speak with them because touch is such a critical thing in our life. And he would flinch when we would start to touch him the first couple of days. And when he realized that he was someplace safe and happy and joyful and that we were going to love on him and give him whatever it was he needed uh, for whatever time he had left, it was the most beautiful thing. And to be able to be there and take care of people that don't have anybody and to tell them that we are the love of Christ. And we've had people say to us, I've never had strangers care for me like this and we say we're not it's not us it's just Christ we love you because Christ loves you and he loves us so it's a beautiful ministry to be able to be a part of I'd say my answer is a little different because we're talking about kids but um it's two sides of the both both coin I guess um when the body of Christ chooses to act like the body of Christ and when the body of Christ chooses not to act like the body of Christ. Um, and what I mean by that is child sexual exploitation and trafficking exists because there's a demand. And we, I said that earlier, but you got to get out of your head if you're thinking these are people that are locked up and chained up and that's happening overseas. No, we're, we're talking about here in our communities. East Tennessee is one of the most highly trafficked areas in the United States of America. And the average age that someone enters trafficking is 13. Um, and every two minutes a child is sold in the US. 
the most recent stat for Tennessee, which was around 2011 regarding kids here, was that on any given month, 100 kids were sold online. That was before COVID. That was before one-to-one on kids on devices. So that's what we're up against. And I said this earlier, but the most frequent people that are selling are the family members, most often the mom. And so when we look at something that's that dark and we say, how did we get here? Well, it's because God's called the body of Christ and given us the holy calling, which is to deny sin (laughs) and care for the needs of the, the least of these. And so... Um, what is harmful is when we look away and choose to do nothing or say, well, it doesn't happen in these families because these people know Jesus. Um, the, if you look at statistics on trafficking and how you get to a point where somebody would want to buy, it actually starts with pornography. And when you look at rates for pornography usage, the stats between people, and I'm not just saying men, it's men and women, looking in the body versus outside are virtually the same. And so that's harmful when the body chooses not to act like the body. When the body does choose to act like the body, and you look at Acts 2, and I think of this because we're, we're friends up here, and we all cover different parts of ministry. When you put these gifts that God has said he's given the body together, like in Acts 2, you saw people filled with the Spirit. They were fellowshipping, breaking bread, spending time in the Word together, praying together, and then they started selling all their belongings to the point that there were no needs left because the body had met those needs. And there is more than enough body to care for those needs, whether it's for one of these ministries or for foster care for for whatever that is. And so what is helpful is when we go, okay, God, you've called me by name. You've filled me. If I know you, I'm filled with the spirit and you've given me gifts to use. And when I put those together with all of these gifts and those gifts, then you have a complete body that functions the way that it should. And then lives are changed. People are healed and there's no needs left. So that's my answer. (laughs) I, I have to say what's helpful and what's harmful, they go together, much what Devin said, two sides of a coin. The the first thing is that, you know, in first first Peter three fifteen it says that we we have to um, we have to be ready to give an account for the hope that's in us with with being respectful and being gentle. And that's that's what um, that's what we do at Choices as we are um, bringing, as we're meeting these women where they are um, and they're scared and they're vulnerable. Um, and, um, but you as the congregation, me as the, as, as, the, as the body of Christ, as Devin said, is that we are, that we're able to give an account. And so we need to know one of the most harmful things that you can think right now is that Roe v. Wade was overturned, and there's no need for Choices Resource Center. And, um, and I say, no, if anything, we need, we need you more. We need you more because we're meeting these women. And you need to be able to tell your neighbors why, why it is that, you are, that you're able to support life. Literally, as, as the body of Christ here at Sturkey, from the womb all the way to the tomb, everything in between. That's what we're, we're representing up here. And it's something you should be proud of. And it's something that you should be researching and knowing about. And that you're able to say, because it's all about being an image bearer. Because when life starts in the womb, and that we are not the givers and takers of life, that God is that, that, that we're able to, to make an account with hope 
with hope in that. Um, that is what is so helpful um, to our ministry and I know to, to the rest. Oh, I'm keeping it. Yeah, you're keeping it. All right, so um, now they're going to share one specific example of how either prayer or giving of resources of, or giving of time has helped your ministry as of late. Um, I get to tell the easy stuff. I get to tell you the baby-saving stories, which I love to do, um, and it's where you guys have given, but we also, we have volunteers who are, who are counseling these women in crisis, and this, uh, this volunteer, um, the story um, involves several volunteers, and um, this woman came to our center several times, um, and she would never get an ultrasound, um, and the reason she was coming was as we're getting a lot of our, our patients right now are they're coming to to see how far along they are in their in their ultrasound so that they will know when um, because they've already bought the um, they've already bought the abortion pills um, online illegally um, or they're headed um, across state lines to um, to have the abortion so that's what she was doing she was headed across state lines, but she couldn't ever seem to get in that ultrasound room. So this one day she finally came with her boyfriend and she was, um, a lot was at stake with this, with this young woman. She was um, selling pictures and videos of herself online. So this was something that was, um, that was gonna hurt her livelihood to keep this baby. And, um, and, and it was supporting other members of her family, not, not just her. And so she, she finally said, okay, I'm ready for this ultrasound. And we didn't have our ultrasound tech there that day. And she was very belligerent. It was, it was not pretty. And as she left that day, I, um, we told her she could come back the next day. Our tech would be there. And, we, and she said, okay. So that night I prayed two things, one selfish, one not selfish. But the first one was that she wouldn't show up. I didn't want her to show up again because a lot of times when these girls come and get their ultrasound, um, they're able to then be like, okay, now I know I can go have this, you know, I have a 12-week baby or a five-week baby and, um, or fetus in, um, and I'm able to, to abort. Um, and so I feel like one way we're giving them power, but in another way, they're able to see that baby. So I said, all right, God, if you bring her back, allow that baby to show off. And she came back the next day, and I just told the counselor, again, a volunteer, I said, don't feel like you have to say anything in here. Let the ultrasound do its thing. And she said, well, what if the Holy Spirit prompts me? I said, well, say whatever it is. And so we prayed. We prayed with the ultrasound tech. And as soon as that probe went down on her belly, um, this beautiful profile of this 18-week baby, which she had no idea she was that far along, showed up on the screen. And as the ultrasound tech was taking pictures, there was just, they were just silent. They didn't, they didn't really have anything to say. And the, the volunteer just said, have you, have you thought about adoption? And she said, oh no, this changes everything. We've got a lot to think about. And so as they were taking that, they, were, um, they had her listen to the baby's heartbeat. It is an actual heartbeat, contrary to what some people say. Um, and as it was, um, as they heard that, she smiled. And then as the ultrasound tech was finishing up, the baby looked at the giant screen that we have there and started waving to its mama and daddy. <laughs> and they, 
they started freaking out. Oh my goodness, is that baby waving at me? And we were like, yeah, okay, yeah, it looks like maybe it is. And so, and it continued waving. And so the ultrasound tech was taking those pictures as fast as could be. And we were able to, um, to watch as they walked out, completely shell-shocked, because again, they were going across state lines the next day. And the daddy said, can I have those waving pictures? And we said, oh, yeah. So we, we gave them all of those pictures. And sometimes we don't get to know what happens, um, the side of eternity. But God gave us a glimpse a little bit because a few weeks later, she brought a friend with her who was pregnant and needed help. And they were able, we were able to help her. And we said, how are you doing? And she put her hand on her belly and she said, I'm a little over 20 weeks now. And, um, and God has, has brought her to us. You guys can pray for her because her livelihood is going to be stopped soon um, in what she's doing and that we're able to minister to her. I forgot to bring tissues this time. <laughs> um, I'd say... My answer's changed a little bit from first service, so hopefully nobody's listening again <laughs> because the Lord is so good, and how can you not share? But um, when I think about answered prayer, I was talking about earlier how Street Hope was founded by churches here in Knoxville that heard about trafficking and said, enough. You know, the body is the only solution, and that's really where we came from. And God has done this miraculous thing of taking no funding and people that were grossly unqualified, and I can say that because I'm one of them, um, and doing this incredible thing. And when I think about Garland Oaks as our home that we've opened and we've taken in four girls. Um, oh, no, this is not good. Um, we've taken in four girls now in this home, this 7,200-square-foot home on 15 acres of land it was given to us by somebody that didn't know what we needed, but God told her. And by people who literally the body, this is a $3 million project, and the body of Christ paid for it. And God raised up this house, and the whole journey has been, Lord, don't lead us up from here if your presence doesn't go with us because it's in, it's in vain without you. But can I tell you the most miraculous thing has been that no homes exists like this, not because people don't care, but it's because of the incredible roadblocks that we hit. I mean, nobody had done this before, and that is not me bragging on us. We don't know anything, but it really felt like we were Noah, and God called us to build this thing, just like he told Noah to build an ark, and it had never rained, and nobody knew what that was, and he walked in obedience, and then he sent the animals, and then it flooded. You know, and here we are, we walked in obedience, God built the house, he showed us how to do it, he sent us the people down to people sending us emails through our contact form on our website saying, do you need somebody that knows something about therapy that's actual biblical and Christ-centered at the same time? Why yes, we absolutely need that. Um, she's now our clinical director, and I can tell you these stories all day long, but the coolest part of this whole journey has been Man, we care about these kids that are coming through this home and these miracles we are already seeing in, in the lives. Gosh, man, people have not valued them, and they've basically thrown them away. <laughs> and, and God's moving in their hearts, and we care about you all, and we care about the people we want to educate. But more than anything, man, this is kingdom work. And if people who don't know the Lord can look at what God is doing by raising up this home, it doesn't make any sense. It literally doesn't make sense how all this happened. And same for any of these. If, if people who 
onlookers who don't know the Lord can see something incredible and miraculous happen that they can't explain, then they're going to have to go, man, there has to be a God because there's no explanation for this crazy thing. And that's what I see the Lord doing. And, and he's not done yet. So, Following her is difficult. <laughs> um, it, we have a volunteer that um, comes and... When we have people who don't have anybody to be with them at the end of their life, and that happens more frequently than you would like to know, um, we have a volunteer who will come and just sit and read scripture with them and hold their hand and sing hymns to them or whatever is comforting. But even though we're all in different parts of the journey of leading people to Christ, I want you to know that with your loved ones, we know that our part of the ministry is that until you take your last breath, you have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ. And we know that we hear until the very last breath, and we hold hands. We had a son, his, they brought his father to us, and he was unresponsive when he came to us. And the son was going to leave to go do some things, and he said, my dad would just flip if he knew I had brought him to a faith-based place. And I said, oh. So when the son left, I said, okay, let's go. So we go in the room. <laughs> we go in the room, and the guy's unresponsive. And so I sit and, and rub on his chest and talk to him, and we're holding his hand. And I'm saying to him, you know, I don't know the decisions you've made in your life. I don't know the life you've lead, led. But the thief on the cross confessed his belief in Christ seconds before he took his last breath. And Jesus said to him, today, you'll be with me in paradise. And so I told him that story while we held his hand and then we prayed over him. And when I said amen, his eyes flew open. He had the most startling blue eyes. And he grabbed my hand and then he closed his eyes. And his son asked me later if we had witnessed to him. And I told him the story. And I said, I have no idea if your father had an encounter with Jesus or if he was wanting to smack me. But, but he certainly heard and responded to what we said. So never give up on the people you love. Um, we're very similar to Street Hope in a sense where uh, we came to be because a group of churches came together and said, we need something for Knoxville that's Christ-centered to address this addiction crisis, this epidemic. Um, because now overdose is the leading cause of death for uh, adults ages 18 to 45. Um, and so to echo what she was saying about all of the churches coming together, um, and having grossly unqualified, my team, we call ourselves the ragtag team. Like on the outside, like people, like the feedback that we get does not match on how we currently experience ourselves. Um, so I know it's the grace of God. Um, I know like whenever I felt that the Lord was calling me into this, I had a group of pastors approach me about possibly being the director and and I, this was during, like, all the lockdowns. I had been home with my kids. I was thinking about homeschooling and all the things. And that's kind of where I was, you know, laser focused on. And I said, Lord, if you keep this door open, I will walk through it. But if you are not calling me to this, make them just not like me that much. Or, like, shut the door, you know. I can say something really dumb. and then, you know. Um, and he kept the door open. 
And I am here to tell you that God, it does not, God chooses whom he chooses. It does not matter how many initials are behind your name, how um, emotionally or intellectually or spiritually mature you think you are. Um, or how much you think you know. I have never been the director of anything before. I've never, let alone opened anything, started anything. I mean, when I was hired, I still had to order business cards. I mean, we didn't even have a website. And now we have a building. A year and a half later, we have graduates. We have stories. We have volunteers. And we've, all, and we've been primarily church-supported, and uh, individual donors have been giving to us. I mean, it's a miracle. It's truly a miracle. Um, one particular story I will tell you about, we had a guy, and I love how pastors are um, wanting to be coaches and get involved, like pastors on staff at some of these large churches that support us. We have a pastor at Severe Heights who has been on staff for a very long time, and he brought uh, a gentleman to us um, who, when I talked to him, he was uh, detoxing off of, he had been drinking moonshine for a while. Older man, wife had already left him, um, really just didn't want to live anymore. And I encouraged him to get into a medical detox because detoxing from alcohol can be dangerous. And he was like, nope, I'm going to do this at home. I got this. He's one of those, I was like, okay, you know, pray for him. He got through it. He came to us. Um, he is still sober to this day. And on his graduation, his wife had filed divorce papers on his graduation, she ripped up the divorce papers because we did marital counseling with them as well. She ripped up the, the divorce papers and came to his graduation with cupcakes and balloons, and they reconciled. That is a miracle. Like, only the Lord can do that. Only the Lord can do that. We are constantly reminding ourselves, it is not our skill, our clinical knowledge, our biblical, it is not us that is doing this. It is the Lord. We're simply providing space for God to do his thing. And we are giving him glory for it all. Um, but we're seeing, I mean, the success rates over a new clinic, are it, they're incredible. But it, again, it's not in comparison to like the secular world um, and, and national averages. It's, it's much higher. And I had, I had a board member ask me, well, what do you think it is? Is it the programming? Is it because we do family support? Is it because, and I was like, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's very simple. The moment we start thinking it's us or we start thinking, you know, oh, it's because of my skill or my knowledge or I got it going on. The moment that, that is a very dangerous place to be. Um, and so what I love too is having the body of Christ to come alongside of us because ministry can be hard. Uh, I have Tim Stallings here on my board. He counsels me. Um, I have other pastors that, that, that will counsel me and, and, um, I have just believers that I just love the body of Christ. It's truly the best thing on earth is the body of Christ. I, I really don't like church bashing and church shaming because the body of Christ, people who are truly following Christ, are truly the best things on earth. Um, and so I love the support of the church. Spiritually, we have a prayer team that comes to pray for us. And when I send out things to my prayer team, like I'm getting real with them. I'm like, I woke up with anxiety 
I am feeling this. I feel like, please pray for me. I'm having a hard time, you know, separating ministry and home. I need, I need help. You know, I love reaching out to, I've reached out to Devin and said the same things. I, we need each other in ministry. We need prayer partners. We need to encourage one another. Ministry is not for the light of heart. Whether you're volunteering, whether you're on staff, whether you're leading a ministry, it's not for the light of heart. And, um, and Satan wants to attack his people, wants to attack the church, wants to attack the ministries. And so, um, what was the question again? <laughs> How has prayer, giving of resources, impacted the ministry? I would say we, we remain encouraged by the support of the body of Christ. It encourages us to keep going and to keep putting one step in front of the other. You guys bring us meals every single Monday. Like, that encourages us to know that we have our brothers and sisters that have our back. So. On that point, I'll let you finish us up here okay. and um, just share one way that uh, the body can be praying for you guys or one way that they can get involved practically. Sure. Um, I know for, for us, uh, since we're new, all of my staff has experienced spiritual warfare. I mean, we really have just uh, in, in various different ways. So if you could please, um, and it comes in waves, it's not constant, but if any, if any of you have done mission work, I, I tell my staff, we're missionaries. Like this is, we are missionaries um, under the guise of a treatment center, <laughs> but we are missionaries. And so we need prayer. Uh, for, for spiritual warfare, for our participants, um, that the Lord softens their hearts so that they can receive, that the, their hearts are fertile to receive the good news of, of Christ. Um, for finances, you know, we, there, I see a, a big vision that God has, has given us as a team where we are going to open up something for the youth, you know, to start serving youth. There's nothing Christ-centered for youth. There's barely anything anyway for youth uh, struggling with drugs and, and alcohol and, and mental health things. We, but to have something Christ-centered, um, you know, we're looking to, to go in that direction. Um, if you want to be a coach, please get with me, contact me. Uh, you walk alongside a participant in their recovery journey. Um, if you'd like to scholarship someone, we don't turn anyone away for an inability to pay. We do not accept insurance. Um, we are licensed by the state, but we don't accept insurance, so we have private pay or scholarships. And so we have a lot of our participants that have been scholarshiped. We will not turn anyone away for an inability to pay um, because we're ministry. Um, so you can help that way. But as far as getting involved, oh, meals, meals. Um, almost every night that we have group, we have someone providing a home-cooked meal for our participants. It, at first, it started out a little sparse, but people are really starting to step up to where, um, you know, we are creating a family atmosphere. They're learning to connect and, and be in relationship, um, and I love feeding people. So uh, they're, they're able to have a home-cooked meal, really good meals um, after group or during in the middle of group. So uh, that's another way to get involved. Uh, but that, that would be it. Thank you. We would love to invite every one of you just to come take a tour. Just take a look. So in the future, if you need us, you know what the place looks like and you know how bright and cheerful and happy it is and that you feel the Holy Spirit when you walk through the door. It's, a, it's such a beautiful place. You can pick up our material, look on the website and see photographs. Um, pray. Our prayer team meets the first Saturday of every month at 10.30. Um, prayer warriors, there is not a ministry up here 
that doesn't need prayer on a daily basis. Being in ministry, Satan attacks these ministries daily. Uh, he is not happy when people are working for the Lord. So please pray for all of these ministries. Get involved. Do not sit there in those chairs and think that this is about everybody but you. There is nobody sitting in a chair this morning in this room that God has not called, if you are his child, to be involved in some ministry every day. And there are things, there's not one of us sitting up here today that doesn't need help financially, uh, volunteers. We have volunteers that come garden and clean and answer the phones. You don't have to help with the patients, but golly gee, if you want to, we'll train you to do that too. Um, you are supposed to be serving God every single day. And when we talk about unqualified, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. And I have a high school education, no medical background. And when he called me to found a hospice, I was like, have you lost your mind? <laughs> and you talk about Jonah. I jumped in the belly of that well to try to stop this is not where I saw my retirement. It is the greatest joy I've ever known in my life. Don't say no to God. I don't know what to say after that. Um, so we say GPSS, give, pray, serve, share. Um, one thing for us is we are 100% funded by churches and individuals and the body. And we do that because... We want to make sure that our efforts to share the gospel are not hindered, um, especially for the girls that we care for at Garland Oaks. But on the flip side, that allows the girls at Garland Oaks to stay as long as they need to be there. And nobody else is dictating when they're healed. You know, 30, 60, 90 days. Um, these girls are going to be there 12 to 18 months minimum um, because they have trauma and they need to be able to walk through it at their own pace. And so um, you can give. Um, more than anything, you can pray for us. You've just said that um, Satan prowls around like a roaring lion seeking those he can devour. And my pastor, Sarah's dad, actually my whole life, this Sarah, <laughs> um, has always said that he, Satan doesn't care which side of the horse you fall off of as long as you're not on the horse. Um, and whether that's lethargy or that's wearing you out to where you're exhausted and you can't go for it anymore, he's mean. <laughs> So pray for our staff, pray for us, and then please pray for the girls that we serve. Um, it's really sobering when you realize that the girls that are in our house, if we are not praying for them, then nobody is. Because the people that would be praying for them are mostly the ones that have put them there in the first place. And by put them there, I mean DCS has placed them there because they've had to take them away from their families. Um, in that same Satan who doesn't want us working to see them healed and restored also doesn't want them to experience healing and restoration. Um, equally, if not worse, you know, he doesn't want them to want to be there and he doesn't want them to come to know the one who can make beauty from the ashes. You know, God says that he doesn't put band-aids on brokenness, that he makes beauty from ashes, gives joy instead of mourning, a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting so they can be oaks of righteousness 
the planning of the Lord that he may be glorified. They do not have to be shells of themselves when they leave. They can thrive and they can be healed. Sarah and I talked about this the other day. For us to think, well, healing and complete restoration is just for some people. That's not true. God desires that for all people, um, but we plant the seeds and he has to grow them, <laughs> you know. Um, so please pray for them and then serve. You can serve with us because at Garland Oaks, anywhere in our ministry really, but specifically at Garland Oaks, we're using women that are thoroughly vetted, thoroughly trained um, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We say um, that we, we are Jesus with skin on to girl, to these girls and to the people that we serve. Um, we can't force Jesus down, the, down their throat and we shouldn't. They have to choose him, but we can be Christ to them. Um, and so serve and then share. We just share about us and, and more, than, more than that, I mean, if you could, every single person walked out of here today and took a one hour training on how to identify and report trafficking, Check that off your list. That's an easy thing. And lives, we've seen actual victims come forward, kids, because they've done things like that. So, I would say same, same, same on so much of this. This has been an amazing year um, in the pro-life world. Um, we should be rejoicing that Roe has been overturned because babies' lives are being saved. But on our level. It's new territory that we're walking on. And I, um, I recently reread a book um, where they were talking about uh, the, just being in, um, in new territory and talking about Lewis and Clark and how they, they got to the Mississippi River thinking that it was going to take them on to the, to the Pacific Ocean. And they got past the Mississippi River and they found the Rockies. And so they had two choices. They could go and look for another waterway or they could go on new terrain. And so they threw their canoes down and their oars down and they started hiking and they started on that. And that's, that's where we are right now at Choices is we're in this new world of post-row. And um, it's, it's terrifying, I'm gonna tell you. It's scary, it's hard for my staff to think differently. The, the, um, the evil was out loud before and now it's going underground. And um, think Saddam Hussein, that brought on ISIS, right? It went underground and the pockets of evil started popping up. And that's kind of what's happening in, in our world. So we're, we're dealing with these, um, we're dealing with new things. Pray for, pray for our staff, but also our volunteers. And we need volunteers to sit with these women and cry with them and, and to pray for them. Um, because some of them are, are coming in to see if their baby is if that abortion pills actually worked. So we have, we have our volunteers who are there and they're, they're, um, they're ready to, to, to minister to them as they've miscarried and they're, they're excited. So it's doing things to our volunteers too. And if you think about that with just Psyche, how they're having to adjust, this girl is excited. So, so this is the spiritual warfare that we're all going through. So pray, we cannot continue. We just hired a new um, staff member. She is a client resource specialist, and she is there basically as our social worker who is going to be walking alongside the men and women to help them get out of the cycle of poverty that is so uh, prevalent, where, um, especially where we um, 
our surrounding areas of where we are. So, so I pray for that and just look to get involved somewhere. But I do want to thank Sturkey because you guys literally womb to the tomb. You should be very proud of this. This is something that is, um, it's a, I would be very proud to be from this church. So thank you. All right, let's give these ladies a round of applause. Yes, yeah, thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. We just praise you, God, for life. And um, we praise you, God, for these ministries that are in our community and the work that they're doing and the services that they provide. I pray, Lord, for... Um, those that are here, and I pray for their staffs, God, that you would just uh, have a hedge of protection around them from the enemy, God. I pray, Lord, that um, they would be able to minister to people. Lord, in, in this life, we, we have trouble, we have hardships, there's things we don't understand, we see all the evil around us, but Jesus, you have overcome the world, and we just give you praise and honor and glory. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. You thought you were done going home. Sorry. I'm going to preach. Now listen, you got to listen fast. I got about 20 minutes. I have six points. You got to listen fast. I'm going to talk fast. We're going to do this thing, okay? Now, as cool as those ministries are, and I am delighted to partner with them, and you as a church should also be. Qualified, vetted. I mean, these are great ministries that are Jesus-based. And they're they are engaged in uh, some level of deliverance in somebody's life. Maybe the delivery of a baby or the delivery of a life into the next, next uh, uh, uh uh, next series of existence, all in between. And you get to be a part of that. I've told you before that 10 cents out of every dollar given to the church goes to minister, goes to missions. And these are our local missions. You've learned some about our foreign missions. And sometimes we hear from people who are maybe engaged in ministry around the world or maybe right here in our neighborhood and we think, well, that's cool. That's kind of cool they get to do that. You know. Now, what does that have to do with you? Everything. You have the opportunity to be part of missions. I want you to know something. You are not exempt from missions. It's not a calling for some people. It is a calling and a commission upon every person who is a believer and a disciple of Jesus Christ. When, when God called you through his Holy Spirit to come into his family for, through salvation, he also commissioned you to share the good gospel of Jesus to the world. It means you should and must be engaged in missions. And there, these are opportunities. And, and so what happens, we hear a story like these ministries that we, we've seen today, and we, and we kind of, the Lord pricks our heart. We're like, I could be a part of that. That would be kind of cool. I could identify with that segment of the population who needs Jesus. But what we do often is we move on and we never respond. It's always there in our heart, but we never dive in. We never hook up, connect with it, okay? And, and so that's what I'm going to talk about today. Now, before I get into the message today, I want, you, I want to let you know, right here in the church, there's opportunities for you to engage in, in missions and ministry right here. Beginning this week on Wednesday night, we're doing our midweek children's kids program. You can, we want you to register your kids, but we want you to come and help. We want you to know uh, that next Saturday, as Clark mentioned, there's a family serve day. Bring your family. Help clean up a needy person's yard. There's opportunities. Uh, there's opportunities to serve in women's ministry. There's Christmas tea coming up in December. Ladies, we need you to sign up to be a hostess for a table. There's all kinds of opportunities that you need to be engaged in. Now, what happens is we hear something like that. We hear something like these testimonies today, and often we move forward and we miss the opportunity. Why are we so, why are we so um, uh, committed to missions? Are you ready? Because the coolest thing that's ever happened on this planet was a mission trip. 
It wasn't mine. It wasn't yours. It was Jesus. Jesus went on the most amazing mission trip in the history of this world. Left the splendor of heaven, the worship of angels, the, 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 the perfect harmony of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit right there in heaven. And God said, Jesus, I got a mission trip. I want you to go to the world with one thing in mind, to offer redemption and salvation to the world. Jesus left heaven 2,000 years ago, came to this earth, planted his feet on the dirt of this world, and, and died on a cross and rose from the dead as a mission of God. It's, it, it's a mission that points to the heartbeat, the love for mankind, okay? Now, now, here's the thing. You say, what does that have to do with me as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus? Are you ready? That happened 2,000 years ago. You are here today. You are a Christian. If you're a Christian, you are a believer today because 2,000 years ago, Jesus launched this mission and people followed his, uh, followed his train of, uh, or his, uh, followed his tr footprints and began to share this story. And it went from one heart to one heart to one heart, one life, one life, one life until Somewhere in your life, somebody who had, who had aligned with the mission of Jesus told you, it entered your ear, penetrated your heart, and you received Christ. You are a product of, of missions. And if you're a product of that, it means your eternal destiny has forever been changed from hell to heaven. And because of that, you should be engaged in missions. You see, you, you have that in you, and, and you're called and commissioned to share it with the world. When you were called to be saved, you were commissioned to share that salvation. And I know it's coloring outside the lines. I know sometimes it's uncomfortable, but I'm telling you, things happen when we do things God's, God's way. Now, when I was preparing this message, uh, I had everything all worked out. And then this week, I had to travel a day and go to, to a place I'd never been before. And so, used to, if you're old like me, you, you had a map, and they were terrible. You'd get your highlighter out, you'd make your map, and you'd end up wherever, and ultimately you'd get to your place. Now we got GPS, global positioning uh, system or service, and it's on our phone. And it's the coolest thing in the world. I mean, it's accurate. It knows when I'm on this street. It knows when I go down that street. It knows how fast I'm going. It lets me know if I'm going too fast. It lets me know what's, the, what's available to eat, where I can get some gas. All of this stuff is in there, and it is accurate. I want you to know something. It's the same with God. God has, uh, he tracks you. He commissions you. He gives you a destination of mission, and then he watches your life. He watches you as you go, and it's, this isn't a new thing. He's been doing this for years. In fact, one of the coolest stories in all of the mission story is about 2,800 years ago. It's, the year is about 775 B.C. There's a guy uh, just like you, just like me, just an average guy, not a whole lot of information about him, not wealthy, not educated, just a guy, and his name is Jonah. Now, now Jonah enters into the storyline of God in, in, the, in his own book, and in this book, uh, God just calls him out to, to missions to do something different just like you, just like me, to something significant. Yeah. We, we said last week in, in the Great Commission that Jesus said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. And, and we move, our life is adjusted because of, uh, uh, because of insignificant or uh, partial authority in our life. Uh, our, our coach tells us to do something, man, we do it. Our teacher tells us to do something, man, we do it. Uh, the, the CDC says you wear a mask, we wear a mask. You know, all of this is just partial authority. And, and, and stepping onto the scene is all authority of heaven and earth. And he says, I want you to go and tell people. Now, we listen to all of this other partial authority, and we refuse to listen to all 
authority. In this book found in Jonah, in this story found in Jonah, all authority speaks into the life of an individual just like you and just like me. And when I was thinking about this global positioning service, it's the way it is with God. There's no journey that he's unaware of. There's no directions that he ever holds back from us. There's no giving up on us when we refuse to listen to what he says. I, my, my GPS system on my phone should have a long time ago, instead of saying rerouting, they should have said, listen, you're an idiot. Uh, you need to get you another app. I'm done with you. You will not listen to me. And before my GPS, it was Kendra. Kendra felt the same way, okay? Uh, because I don't, I, sometimes I just don't listen to directions. Well, and I'm not alone. You do the same. And, and, and Jonah, in the story of Jonah, we find a reality that identifies often with every single person in here. So how does this all work? In the life of Jonah, in, in your life, if, you're, if you have a destination, it begins on my phone with a little, I guess a toolbar, a little space that says search maps. Okay, that's how it begins. That's what Jonah did. In fact, in Jonah chapter 1, God gives him a destination, he says, the Lord's message came to Jonah, son of Amittai, and he said, go immediately to Nineveh, the large capital city, and announce judgment against its people because their wickedness has come to my attention. Jonah's call is just like your call. God says, hey, I want you to do this. I want you to serve with this ministry. I want you to serve with that ministry. I want you to be engaged in this mission. I want you to be a part of that mission. I've gifted you for this particular mission. He tells us in our heart what it is he wants us to do. And so the same thing happened with Jonah. He, he, puts it in his, he puts it in his search maps. Okay, where's this place I'm going to go? Okay, he punches in Nineveh. Now, now, Nineveh is the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is, they hate the Jews. And the Jews hate Assyria. So if you've got to go somewhere, that's not the place you want to go. Okay, and sometimes God calls us to a place that we really don't want to go. But I want you to know something. Most of the time, God calls us to a place that's familiar with us. Sometimes it begins right in our own household, in our extended family, those awkward conversations with people in our family, our neighbor who we wave at every day, hey, how you doing, and never invite them to church, the people that we work with that we know their life is upside down, and we hold the truth that can set them free, and we never bring it up. Often he, he, he calls us to a place that we're very familiar with that's not people that we hate. And just like in this story, the, the missionary is Jonah. God's missionary in your world, listen to me, is you. Here I am, send him. That's what we do often. Okay, here I am, send them, send her. No, it's here I am, send me. You, look at the person next to you and say, I think you just said you're a missionary. Yeah. You said it very quietly. Okay, it's true. We're all missionaries. And so the missionary identity is, is who we are. The timeline, God's timeline does not change from Jonah to Joel. It doesn't change. The timeline is immediately. I want you to do this, and I don't want you to prepare. I don't want you to do anything significant. Change. I just want you to go and do what I tell you to do. So it's immediately. The destination is very clear for Jonah. It's Nineveh. And the message is judgment. Okay, he gives you the message. He does the same for you. He gives you the location, the timeline. He gives you the message. It's very clear. Now, unfortunately, he's put it into his search maps. Jonah's put it in there, Nineveh. Okay, now, the voice is going to come out of the phone to Jonah. He's going to say, uh, leave your home. Go, uh, go northwest about 500 miles. Okay, that's what it's going to say. But something happens. In verse 2, 
uh, verse 3 of Jonah 1, it says, instead, Jonah immediately, now he got the immediately right, okay? And he got the leaving right. You know, he packed his satchel, got a toothbrush, changed of underwear and some deodorant. He's ready, all right? But listen to what happens. He says, instead, Jonah immediately headed off to Tarshish to escape from the commission of the Lord. He traveled to Joppa, found a ship heading to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went aboard to go with them to Tarshish far away from the Lord. Listen, here's his options. God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. He looks and he goes, okay. I just put it in my map search. It says to go, to go northwest 500 miles. That's cool. But I think I'm going to go 2,500 miles due east. I've been wanting to go to France, Italy, and Spain. So I think I'll go do my little world tour of France, Italy, and Spain. And then when I get done, then I will go to Nineveh. That's not the story. He's going the opposite direction, not on a pleasure cruise. He is going in the opposite direction, running from the directives of God, and that's what we do. Listen, we live most of our life in the land of instead. God has a plan. It's a glorious plan. God has a plan. It's bigger than our plan. And we hear it, and then we have this instead mentality. You know, like, ah, that's good, but I think I'm going to do this. And when we do that, we immediately become disobedient to the call of God in our lives. Just like Jonah, sometimes we want to write our own direction. Sometimes, like Jonah, sometimes God says go and instead we stay. Sometimes God says stay and instead we want to go. Sometimes God says tell others and instead we wait and let somebody else tell others. You see, there's calling on our life, and we live in an instead world. And so our mission field looks like our neighborhood, our circle. It begins right where you are. Okay, all of us. And instead, we, we, we scream a resounding instead to God. And so any, when we do anything other than the right thing, it means we're doing the wrong thing. Do you get that? Sometimes we say, okay, that's the right thing. It's very clear in Scripture that God wants me to be on mission. That's the right thing because God said it. Jesus said, go into all the world making disciples, teaching them and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and behold, I am with you uh, till the end of the earth. Okay? Jesus told us that. You've got that calling. And we know it. Okay? And that's the right thing. But sometimes we think, well, if I do nothing, I'm not doing the wrong thing, but I'm not doing the right thing. I'm kind of in neutral. No. Anything other than the right thing is always the wrong thing. That's a hard pill to swallow because most of us live in that area. And so your calling may be right here. Your calling may be right now. Your calling may be right where you are, but you got a calling and you got a commission to share the truth of God. And so, so what happens is he punches it into his, into his map search and, and then he uh, he moves in the wrong direction, and just like my phone, when I went to uh, out of state the other day, I made a wrong turn. It looked like the right turn. I wasn't intentionally, volitionally choosing the wrong thing. This is uh, uh, recalibrating, recalibrating. I'm like, okay. And then it goes from recalibrating to the next word that I heard, rerouting. You see, she, she didn't give up on me. She didn't wring her hands and say, oh, I'll get you another app. Okay? She, she just says, okay. You're going in the wrong direction, I'm rerouting. I'm going to get you to the destination. And that's what God does. Sometimes in our negligence of doing what God calls us to do, what he commissions us to do, 
God just says, okay. He lets us meander over here. Meanwhile, we're being disobedient. And he reroutes. He's all, I am a pastor today at the church at Sturkey Hills. Do you think that's because when I got saved, when I was almost 10 years old, I started obeying Jesus, and he just, my life, man, it just, here we go now, pastor. No, my life looks like Jonah. I'm running to Spain, and I'm, I'm over here, I'm doing this. Meanwhile, God's watching my every move, just like GPS, knowing how fast I'm going when I'm turning. Meanwhile, he said, I'm going to get you to the destination, okay? I'm I may have to reroute you a time or two, I may have to send you through a couple of tough spots in your life, but I'm going to get you to where I want you to be. And that's the way God does us because simply he loves us. Now, in this story, in Jonah chapter 1 verse 4, here's what the rerouting looks like. So the Lord, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea and there was a great storm on the sea and the ship was about to break up. Well, that's a serious reroute right there. If you read the rest of the story, now these seasoned sailors are fearing for their life. And they're like, what are we, we going to do? We, we're going down. They throw away all the cargo, throw it off the ship. They start looking around. What's the problem? They find Jonah asleep in the belly of the, of, the, of the boat. And they say, what is the deal? He said, well, I'm a prophet of God and I'm in disobedience. Throw me overboard. Rerouting included Jonah being cast overboard from this boat. Now, I want you to notice something. Whenever we are disobedient personally to the mission of God, it doesn't just affect us. You see, there's a people group, a circle of influence that God has intended for you to speak to. And they're hurting because of your disobedience because you refuse to go and tell them what God has put on your heart. And so we, it doesn't just affect us when we are disobedient to God. So he's rerouting. Now, 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 don't get me wrong, God being all authority, Jesus being all authority, he can reroute however he wants to, right? And so he sends a storm because he's over the storm. It doesn't stop there. On my phone, after it says rerouting, I was going down the road, I got hungry. I don't know how to tell her I'm hungry, okay? All I know is when I get off to get me something to eat, she goes into reroute, recalibrate mode. And I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to just stay alive and get my sandwich, all right? And it's U-turn, U-turn, that's the next move. Got to make a U-turn, next light, take it, make a U-turn. And so she's telling me to make a U-turn. God now tells Jonah it's time for a U-turn. I've recalibrated, I've rerouted, and now it's time for a U-turn. Watch how God does a U-turn. This is so cool. In Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the stomach of the fish for three days and three nights. There's your U-turn. I mean, there, there it is right there. You, you, you don't know how to go the right direction? I'm going to let a fish swallow you, spin you around, and swim you back to the direction you're supposed to come. That's a serious U-turn in our life. Uh, God can do that. Now, now, there's some people right now, they're like, yeah, I don't even really believe that story. Well, you're an idiot. Okay? It's in God's Word. That makes it true. And if you deny God's Word being true, you've got bigger issues. You got, you're going to struggle with Jesus. He, how do we know he's true? Right? It's true. In fact, there are, there are big fish out there who have a tongue that weigh them as much as an elephant. There, there are big fish out there that weigh, 200, I think it's 286,000 pounds. It's, they're, they're, they're massive. Jonah's not the only person to ever be swallowed by a whale and live to tell about it. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, I am no more surprised about Jonah spending three days in the belly of a fish than I would be if they found a whale skeleton with Jonah's initials carved in the ribs. 
And that's the way we should look at it, right? It's just the truth. Now, now here's what's amazing about it. God, Jesus said, I'm all authority over heaven and earth. Jesus could have sent a well with a, with a bedroom in it, with a king-size bed, with a vibrator on it to help him sleep. Could have had a heart-shaped hot tub in the corner, all right? He could have sent, had, could have left the light on. He could have done this when I was in Africa the first time. It gets cold at night, but not cold enough for him to have heat. And so they didn't tell me this. The, the power goes out at 10 o'clock. So we go to our room, we get back to our cabin thing, and, and I go in there, and, and it's got a net around the bed, which is a little bit alarming, okay? And I have my flashlight, and I got my shorts on, and I, and I flipped the sheets back, and I jumped in the bed, and my foot hit this warm, jiggly, fuzzy thing. I jumped out of that bed like the rapture. I almost had to call and get them to come and change my sheets, all right? You see, they put a bed warmer in there, a little furry hot water bottle, jiggly. They didn't tell me, okay? So if you go to Africa, beware. God could have put a little fuzzy water bottle in Jonah's bed there in the belly of the fish because he's God and he's all authority. Sometimes you and I, we get hung up on the miracle of the fish and we miss out on the miracle of the mission, and in our life, sometimes we get hung up on everything in our world and we miss God's calling, God's commission to be engaged in missions because God loves people and he wants to use you to demonstrate and share that love with a people who need love. Number five, now he's got him U-turned. Next thing you hear after a U-turn, proceed to route. Proceed to route. Listen what the procedure to route is for Jonah. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. This is the sweetness of God. Okay? God has no, uh, he, he is not obligated to give us one chance. He's not certainly not obligated to give us two chances. But God is the God of grace. God is the, is the God of second chances. Often when we hear the gospel, we may not receive it the first time we hear it. I heard it in a revival for five nights. And on night number six, I was tore, I was toe up. I had to get saved, okay? He was the God of six chances for me just to get saved. And had I not been saved, he probably would have offered more chances. Listen, in your life today, maybe you've never engaged in ministry or missions in your life. God does not wring his hands and say, you need to find another app to guide you. You need to find another God to love you. You need to find another person to help you find your way through life. He doesn't do that. He watches us. He nurtures us, he works us, encourages us back to place. And all the while, it's to get us to the place, to a destination that he has assigned in our life. Now, here's the beauty of it. I want you to listen. We're almost done. The beauty of it is when he gives you a second chance at ministry, the people in your circle, the people in your Nineveh also get a second chance. Do you see that? The fact that he gives us second chances means he's giving the people around us a second chance he still wants us to go and share and and love on them and share and tell the gospel of Jesus to them now when we do finally you know we went through the mess and back and here we are and we're 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 back on track I love point number six I love when I hear this on my phone 
arrive at destination. I love that. It don't matter how long I've been driving, how many wrong turns or right turns. I might have got a traffic ticket. I didn't, but I might have. Okay? No matter how many mistakes, maybe I had a flat tire. Just, just life. And then I hear, arrive at destination. I want you to know something. There is no better place on earth for you than when you arrive at God's destination for your life. That is where the good stuff hangs out. That is made up of things that eternity is made of when you arrive at the destination that God has placed for you. So verse 3 says, So Jonah arose, went to Nineveh. Destination. And according to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, three days' walk. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk, and he cried out and said, Yet forty days Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed God, and they called a fast. The whole, the whole stinking nation repented. It, they put sackcloth on the animals. I mean, they were serious about this, all because one person aligned themselves with the mission of God for their life. I want you to know today, no matter who you are, what your background is, no matter how old or how young you are, God called you to save you. God commissioned you to share. You got a place. You got a mission. And when you find it, you'll be amazed at the beauty that you experience in the center of God's will for your mission life. Now let me finish up Matthew 7 tells us why this is important to our church and why it should be important to you because in Matthew 7 Jesus said this he said enter through the narrow gate for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and men and many enter through it but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it what does that mean statistically in our world today there are a little over seven billion people 30% of those 7 billion people identify as Christians, okay? That's about, what, two, a little over 2 billion people. That means there's 5 billion people headed through the broad way to destruction. Now, I want you to listen. That's the stats. Let me tell you now what really sucks about that. Here it is. We don't share the gospel. When it comes right down to it, we suck at the Great Commission. Pause. Are you ready? Here's the problem in our world. In this church, there's many who are more worried that I use the word suck in my sermon two times than you are worried about five billion people dying and going to hell. That is the sad state of our world. We're more worried about the preacher using an inappropriate word than we are that five billion people will die in their sin. Do you see? You see how upside down things are? Now, I apologize for using that word. I don't even use that word. I wanted to use that word to make a point. We have bigger things to worry about than words. We have people dying in their sin. Why is this so significant? Because broad is the way to destruction. And our time is limited. You see, it's limited because we don't know how long the people in our circle of influence will be here because nobody knows the end of our lives. We don't, just don't know that. 
But on a grander scale, this is why it's important. Because Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, missions endeavor is over. Well, how big a deal is Jesus coming back? Scripture tells us. We believe that a new birth, to be born again, is critically important, right? That shows up nine times in Scripture, and it's really important. We believe in baptism, following Jesus in baptism, identifying with Jesus. Baptism is important. It shows up 20 times in Scripture. We believe that repentance is really important. It shows up in Scripture 70 times. The second coming of Jesus shows up 380 times. One out of every 25 verses in God's eternal counsel, his Bible, refers to the second coming of Christ. You see, that's our timeline. The immediate that God said to Jonah is the immediate he's saying to us. And and like Jonah, we immediately don't do what it is he says to do. I just want to challenge you. I love you. I love this church. But this church is not what it needs to be because we are failing at being who we're supposed to be missionally in our world. And so I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Every day we have the opportunity to share Jesus, to shine a light in a dark world. Every day we have the opportunity to disciple people. Every day we have opportunities as a church and as a pastor to to help and encourage other pastors to be great pastors in their churches. We have opportunities to build this church, to fill it up and to build churches around the world. And the impact of every one of those carry forward into all of eternity. There's nothing else you do in your life that will carry into eternity. Nothing you do in life will carry into eternity except the mission of God in your life. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these people. I thank you for the ministries that we get to partner with. I thank you, God, for the greatest mission endeavor ever. When Jesus came to this earth with a mission to save the world. And God, here we, here we are 2,000 years later, and you're still engaged in saving the world. And I don't get it. You could have screamed it in the stars, but you choose to use people like Jonah who look a lot like us in the equation. God, help us engage in your calling and in your commission in our life. Help us share the gospel with the world. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope that God spoke to you through this message. If you enjoyed the message, be sure to subscribe to our weekly podcast and visit our website at sturkey.church to find all the latest information and upcoming events. Be sure to join us again next week. Until then, may God bless you.